0: Hello there and welcome to this week's Loons Weekly. My word, we have a podcast in store for you. Callum Williams alongside Kendra D. St. Aubin and a very special guest rejoins the podcast as well. The birthday boy, the man with the ripest smile in Minnesota, Jeremy Watson. Jeremy, welcome back. What, what is it, 42 now, are you? <laughs>
1: It's my 33rd birthday, and all I wanted for my birthday was to sit in front of the button bar. So now, with this power I have in front of me, anytime you hear the round of applause, anytime you hear the laugh track, Cal, anytime you make a joke and you hear... That will be because I have the button bar on my birthday. This is the one day every 365 days a year that I get to have this so thank you for allowing me to enjoy this
0: so apologies in advance we've given Jamie Watson all the power in the world right at the very cusp of his fingertips
2: and we can't hear (laughs) 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 exactly and we can't hear when these nice little bits are bits and bobs are starting and ending because Jamie's the only one also with headphones
1: Well, well that's how that's how we like it here but matter at hand Cal everybody's all smiles here today because it's another win for Minnesota United.
0: It is. It is indeed. A third victory out of five. And this one, for me in particular, Kendra, was the most eyebrow-raising. First of all, when you look at it on paper, not many people go to Red Arena and win. Second of all, Minnesota United went there and won convincingly. Third of all, they did it without Darwin Quintero and Miguel Ibarra.
2: Well, and I think in last week's podcast, you kind of rattled off a number of stats about how hard it is to win at the Fortress at Red Bull Arena and the success they've had there, even when they've been, you know, maybe had times where they have struggled a bit or been on a bad streak or something on the road. They always come home and win at home, but teams have figured them out, you know, Orlando figured them out at Red Bull Arena and now Minnesota United winning with a tremendous game plan. And I thought Adrian, Heath said it the best. And I know we all talked about it in the post game show. It was a team win. The fact that literally they followed the game plan to a tee that Adrian Heath and his staff had put forth tactically on how to play this team. And you could tell there was a feeling about it, that they were playing for each other, the effort for each other, making the runs off the ball, covering defensively. There was just an energy about that game from Minnesota United from the first kick and um, first of all, it was a great one to call. It was so much fun to call and be a part of from a broadcast standpoint. And those those games are a real gem for us, I think, as broadcasters. But to come away with three points on the road at Red Bull Arena, regardless of what kind of skid they're in, I thought it said a lot about about this club and about uh, the staff and just the roster and what they've put together, even minus Darwin Quintero and Miguel Labara.
0: And you mentioned it as well afterwards, Jay. How much uh that there was there was an obvious tactical tweak from the coaching staff where you mentioned how impressed you were with what
1: they did to get all three points at Red Bull Arena. Oh, uh, they won the tactical chess match between the managers and Chris Armis right now is reeling for maybe one of the first times in his entire tenure as a Red Bull coach because he's gotta figure out now that teams are going through breaking down the video and saying Right. This is like going into Red Bull Arena as as you've alluded to last week. Kendra just talked about momentarily ago when you go to Red Bull Arena. If you try to stand there and go toe to toe, it's like going in there and trying to box with Mike Tyson. Right. You don't want to stand there and just trade punches with them because ultimately you're probably not going to win. You don't maybe necessarily always want to go into Red Bull Arena and try to play the perfect game soccer wise in front of them. The prettiest soccer, the most easy on the eyes soccer. Because if you do that, Red Bull is very good at that. They're at home. They had a nice, loud crowd on the evening. It's a difficult environment to go do that. So what you need to do is come up with a game plan then that you can go into that tumultuous environment and get a result. And what that is is getting the wingbacks involved. This is what Adrian Heath, Mark Watson, Ian Fuller, John Pascarella said. This is how you beat them, is you get an extra number out wide, which was Francisco Calvo on the left, Roma Mentonero on the right side, who I thought, by the way, was fantastic on the evening, fantastic performance and you quickly outlet to them. And then from there you get balls played down into the channel. You get their defenders running back to their own, uh, own goal. And look, you had Angelo battling against Tim Parker and Aaron long. Ultimately, that's all a great game plan. But if you get the ball up to Angelo and he doesn't do well enough holding up the ball, well then that's your problem. It all breaks down right there. Angelo was fantastic, giving Ethan Finley and Abu Dhanladi on another side, on the opposite sides of him, a second or two to join into the attack. And then when they got their opportunities, they took them. Vito Manone stood on his head in goal. The back three of Ike Parra, Brent Coleman, and um, Michael Boxel, Excellent on evening. Mm. Kendra said it was a team effort, but nobody had a bad evening on the night. Right. And I think tactically, the coaches implemented a plan at the beginning of the week. The players followed through. They executed with that. And if it was the prettiest win or not, I guarantee you in a week, two weeks, six weeks time, no one remembers the performance. They remember the result. And you got three points on the road at Red Bull.
2: Well, you- let's be fair, Cal. We we talked about this a bit afterwards, too. And I mean, I, I I said this, and I don't know if you agree with me 100%, but a team plays different when they don't have their star. And that's not a negative. That's not a knock on Darwin Quintero by any means. But when you... Sometimes when that star is on the field, everyone around him may change the way they play. You're, you're not catering to that player, but you know you're kind of waiting to see what he does on the ball, and then you play off of it. So I think everybody knew that they had to step up their game with Darwin Cantaro missing, because he is the guy. He's the playmaker. He's the go-to. You know what I mean? He's the the he runs the show as far as getting on the ball and creating. So, I think sometimes I, I think the players took it upon themselves to realize, like, you know what? we got to get this job done. We're missing Darwin Kintero. The team is always better off with him in the lineup or in the eighteen. We all know that. We all know what Darwin Cantero can do, but it's kind of fun to see how the team stepped up their game and 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 compensated for that in the specific tactical formation that Adrian Heath drew up.
0: I thought as well, one of the more sharper of the eleven that started at Red Bull Arena. In my opinion, as, as Jay quite rightly says, and as you said before, Kendra, there wasn't a player who was necessarily bad on the evening. I thought everybody did their job and did it very, very well. But I, again, after two below-par performances for his standards... I know you're going to say it. I thought Ozzy Alonso yes. was very, very yes. good again. Mm-hmm. And, and having somebody like him who has the experience he does 10 years in Major League Soccer, every single year he's gone to the playoffs... And I thought behind him, Iko Para was supreme as well. You know, again, this is a player that has won in Major League Soccer. He's won championship after championship in Kansas City, has so much experience. And I think the main difference for me on the road now with this team, obviously, we've not seen them at home yet. We will do this weekend. We'll get to that later. I, I just think the main thing and the main difference is that there is an abundance of experience now, Jay, that that allows them to go and play on the roads in a way they've not been able to in the, in, in the last couple of years. And, and they have an, em, an element of experience of, of people now that have gone and won on the road and, and won things, as I mentioned earlier on, that, that hasn't
1: been the, the case over the last couple of years. Well, first off, to your point about Ozzy, if you go back and you watch three and four different times, Ozzy Alonso had a textbook fundamental tackle As far as his timing was correct, his decision to slide, which foot he stuck in and won the ball, he wasn't just tackling for the sake of tackling or because he's beat and he's out of position and he's making a recovery diving last-ditch effort tackle. This was purposeful tackling where he knew I need to get down, I need to slide, try to win the ball, shape my body where I will win the ball and be able to keep possession off of it. He was very, very good fundamentally from a defensive midfielder standpoint, but then I think the biggest thing Minnesota United did was put an emphasis on putting an extra number in the middle of the park with the three center backs, the outside wing backs tucked in defensively when yep. they needed to. So they didn't get balls played, penetrating through the gaps. So it was very condensed. There wasn't big spaces, but then the two Ozzy Alonso and Jan Gregish, did a good job of winning the midfield battle when we lost in new England. And when the team lost at the LA galaxy, it was because they lost the midfield battle. And I think on the evening, I don't think there was necessarily an overwhelming sense that Minnesota United won the center midfield battle, but they did enough to keep the game at bay to where there was not joy in in the middle of the park for Kaku. There wasn't space for uh, Caceres to come inside and and really operate. Most of theirs play was kept around the side. Mm. And that's the least dangerous spot for him. There wasn't time and space on the ball. I thought Sean Davis, for as good of a player as he is, I didn't say his name nearly enough. Right, Bradley Wright Phillips, I know personally, guys, it, we say players' names, sometimes you find yourself saying 15, 20 times a game. Bradley Wright Phillips, we said that maybe in the pregame. Expectations were we'd say it a lot, but we didn't say it a lot in the run of play. And I think that's because Jan and Ozzie and the combination of the three center backs clogged up the middle of the field, took away all of the things the Red Bulls like to do, and ultimately, that's what won the game for me. Question now which we'll talk about briefly
0: here, but I really want to get into it in the third segment, Kindra. I asked you this on the uh, the post-game show. If you're Adrian Heath, what do you do now? Do you change it? Do you keep it?
2: Well, he said himself this week, it gives him a question or two, doesn't it? Because he is very much known to keep the 11 that have won the match. You know, if you win the game and uh, clearly play well with it, then he's not going to change the 11. Now, usually that's when you have everyone healthier everyone at your disposal that you want at your disposal like you're not going to change that 11. I think Darwin cantero has to be back in the starting lineup I, I really do I don't think you leave him out um I think the team gets stronger with him in it I mean I just said like I think a team can it can change the way they play with or without their star we've seen it in other clubs that sometimes players play better without a certain player on the field just because they feel like they have a little more freedom um but I think if you're Adrian Heath you got to put Darwin back in the starting 11. If he's healthy and fit and ready to go and 100% and he's going to be in the 18 regardless, you got to put him back in there. But I I can't deny though. I love I love the way that 3-4-3 looked. And I know sometimes it's dependent on the who's available and it's dependent on where you're playing and who you're playing against. But I thought, you know, ultimately um, Minnesota United really clicked well in that system and it'll be interesting to see what Adrian does, but I think he's got to put Darwin back in that 11.
1: I think Darwin Quintero is being smartly used by Adrian Heath to keep NYCFC on the back heels if you're a staff. Because if you game plan and you come out and you say exactly what you're going to do on Monday, well, guess what? You've just given the opposing team five days to go out and game plan for it. Right now, there's that element of suspense, Mm. of question of what are they going to do? Are they going to keep it the same? Are they not? Look, Darwin Quintero, MVP discussion type player. There's a spot on the field when Darwin Quintero is 100%. Adrian Heath said it this week on the Adrian Heath show. Darwin Quintero was not 100% this week. Was he close to playing? And had this been a cup final, could he have played? Yeah, he probably could have. But with that in mind, Red Bull Arena is not a place you can go and have a player that's only at 80%. You can't carry passengers, was Adrian's quote. Mm -hmm. So you leave Darwin out smartly. Now you have him hopefully on another week's rest, building towards this game. But why would you tell anybody? If you're Adrian Heath, let, let Dominic Turen think about that all week. Their coaching staff plan for it. What are you planning for right now? If you're them, a three-four-three, four-two-three-one. Four, three, Darwin Contreras in. Darwin Contreras not in. Everything about it is exactly what a coach should be doing right now. What do I think he's gonna do? I think there's always a place for Darwin Contreras in the team. Right. Does Adrian He think the same? Maybe. But what's the point of telling somebody? Why mm-hmm. would you show your cards on a Monday, on a Tuesday? Let New York City FC think, is Darwin playing? Is he not playing? What's the formation? Until one hour, 3 p.m. on Saturday in Allianz Field where there's fans jumping up and down in the stadium. It's packed house. The coaches are trying to figure out, here's the team sheet. What are they going to do now, now that we officially know what it is? And let them try to game plan in an hour instead of five days. Genius is exactly what a coach should do right now.
2: Well, there's a thousand things from that match that we could go back and and take positives from and very few negatives. And I think, you know, we've said it time and time again, an all-around team performance with the guys, with the 18 that he had and the substitutions he made. Romario Barra is another one that we haven't even hit on yet. And I think, you know, Angelo Rodriguez, rightfully so, has had a tremendous season to start off. I mean, he he was the only bright spot in the first half of New England, really, ultimately. And I think even in the L.A. game, his hold-up play, he's come in fit and understood that he – you know, needs to be ready to go um, from the first whistle and a different energy about him, maybe having come off the bench early in the season. Well, what was your favorite bright spot of that match? I mean, you get to call the action play-by-play, but if you had to pick a moment or a theme or something out of that match with the Red Bulls, Cal, do you have something that really stood out from you, you know, for you watching that entire thing?
0: You mentioned it earlier on. I think it was just the pace of the game. Mm -hmm. I think... For us as broadcasters, it was a joy to call, really, wasn't it? And those games are easy to commentate on because there's so many possibilities um, and, and there's, there's so much to talk about. Um, the pace of, of a game like that is, is always a joy to call. And uh, I, I really enjoyed uh, the wingbacks. I really enjoyed the abrasive nature of particularly Romain Metinero as well. I thought he was supreme. I really, really did. And uh, let's hope, let's hope that whatever the formation... Whatever the system on Saturday mm-hmm. at Allianz Field, it'll be a victory for Minnesota. I, I just I just said Allianz Field again, and I'm getting, I'm getting <laughs> shivers down that's the spine. That's because it's
2: 28 degrees outside.
0: Well, that's true, yeah. That's <laughs> it's problem. snowing. That's
2: where <laughs> the shivers are coming from. Absolutely.
0: Well, I just, It, it, it just <laughs> makes me get excited and giddy. And I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll take a short break, and we'll talk about Allianz Field in the next little segment as well as some of the headlines around the world of Major League Soccer. <laughs> Welcome back to Loons Weekly. Callum Williams, Kindred D. E. St. Orbin, and Jamie Watson with you. Our producer Tyson Hill is also loitering in the corner as well, giving us a little wave. Right then, before we talk about a little stadium you might have heard of in the Midway region, let's talk about some of the headlines in Major League Soccer, shall we? Kindred D. E. St. Orbin. We'll start with a club I know you know very, very well indeed. A side that a lot of us thought are already done for a side who simply couldn't buy a win prior to this weekend. And then they raised the eyebrows around the league by beating, by thumping Portland Timbers, three goals to nil. How did the earthquakes do that?
2: Well, I don't know what Matias Almeida said in his pregame speech to make you know what Tommy Thompson said in his hit just before kickoff? Stare down
0: your soul. Oh my
2: gosh, I love and I loved what the uh, extra time guys, what the MLS soccer guys said. I mean, Andrew Weavey was like, "Wow, Tommy Thompson's not afraid of little eye contact there." I mean, it was like somebody had to have said something to him because um they came out from the, you know. Well, first of all, the biggest change for me was Danny Hooson in the lineup. Everybody loves Chris Wondolowski. We all love Chris Wondolowski. We all want to see him get the scoring title and. And pass Landon Donovan on the list, but he, they need Danny Houston up top. And there was a spark and an energy and a pace about him putting him up top. They put Florin Youngworth in there, who hasn't been in there at all. So there were some changes to the lineup, to the roster, I think, but T.S. Almeida had to make. And I don't know if finally he realized. I think they had scored two goals in all of their previous matches, and they scored three goals in one game. Granted, it's against the Portland Timbers, who have their own struggles going on as well. But you know, I mean, talk about a sense of relief. I was texting with some people um, from the earthquakes and it was like, thank you, Lord. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, because there's this weight that is lifted off of your shoulders when you are under that kind of pressure. And we know it, we've seen it. You know, we've seen it with Minnesota United in the past when you're on this kind of a skid or a slide, theirs was exceptional. And you have a new head coach and all these things going on and lineup questions and formation questions and tactic questions and I mean, that first goal, you could see even Matias Almeida's response and reaction. It was like, and you know what's what's cool about it? Wondolowski was the first one up off the bench, cheering his teammates on, and that's the kind of guy he is. So um, it was fun to see. Uh, I think people, everyone watching was probably pulling a little bit for San Jose because it's been so abysmal for a few years now. They've They've struggled. Um, so it was it was a good win for them, and who knows what Portland is going to do? Because my goodness, they still have what eight games left on the road, or something.
0: Yeah, and I was just about to ask you. So before we talk about LAFC, the Timbers, yeah, are they as bad? Are they as in trouble as people are suggesting?
2: I think the biggest thing is I don't think they're as bad as it looks right now. But you know, they started with what four or five games on the road last year. And they had to weather that storm. Twelve games is a whole nother animal. I mean, their roster essentially is very much the same. They still have a lot of those key pieces and Blanco and Valeri, but also everybody's a year older. And I think that makes people underestimate that sometimes. But the 12 games on the road, I mean, my goodness. I, I mean, we talked about this off off the air. Like no one, no one has done that. You know? No one has done that before where you're you're expanding a stadium mm-hmm. and starting completely on the road. Sometimes you've started at a temporary home away from home, you know, like, um, like Atlanta even did mm-hmm. or DC United did for a bit, but they weren't like 12 straight on the road out of their city entirely. Right. So that's it's interesting that, uh, that they're undergoing that, and I think Portland's going to have some struggles.
0: Um, at the other end of the Western Conference, Jay, LAFC again with another eye-watering victory, are they the real deal?
1: Yeah. Yeah, they are. I mean, plain and simple. They're really good. It's it's star power up top. Now, I don't think they're invincible. I think there are some vulnerabilities still for them, but right now um, they look to be the class of the Western Conference, and, and it doesn't appear to be um, that close right now. I think, can they be beaten in a one-off matchup? Sure. Absolutely. You saw last year, Real Salt Lake came into um LAFC and, and they got a result, knocked him out of the playoffs. Mm. Um, so I don't think anybody is invincible, but I also think right now they look the most complete and they look the most dangerous in several different ways because if you want to worry about Carlos Vela, um, okay, so you're going to put maybe an extra defender leaning his way. Well, if he decides to pass it without curling into the top corner first <laughs> with his left foot, then he's got Diego Rossi who's been fantastic on the other side of him. Um, then they have the choice. Diamande up top, Adama Diamande, or are you are going to go Christian Ramirez up top? Latif blessing has found a, a new kind of role, maybe in the a little bit deeper in the park, but he's getting on the, on the ball and he's, uh, he's active. He's spry. He's, he's very agile. Uh, Mark Anthony K has been fantastic in the middle at West has done well. Mm. So you look at their team, it's, fun, it's It's been really, really good. And there's, there's no doubt that they're at the top right now and that they look the most complete at the moment. Um, again, this league is not necessarily about who's going to run away and win because you could go 34 and zero on the season. You get into the playoffs and you lose and you're out of the playoffs. So it's one of those that right now, I think you have to be cognizant of the fact that are they the team that deserves to be at the top with the way they've started while going into Audi field at DC and winning four zero convincingly. And it was four zero before Rooney got sent off. So yeah, they were, the, they were that good of a team on the day. Um, I just think, too, though, when you start to look around the Western Conference, you start to look at games like uh, Sporting Kansas City had with FC Cincinnati. They fielded practically a second team apart from two starters. Iliye, Johnny, Russell, both players that played, they still go on the road at FC Cincinnati and get a point where they're starting Zalalem in the first game. We talked about him previously on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, Busio gets his second goal, as 16-year-old. I mean, day with his first ever start. Now, granted, he made a bit of a mistake on the first goal sure. that let him down, but that was a big result. You start to look. Right now, there seems to be this discrepancy in the Western Conference, very top-heavy, and then the bottom is is dragging far behind. And the teams that are standing at the bottom right now cannot let the top half run away from it because once you get past FC Dallas, Minnesota, and Sporting Kansas City, there's a big gap between Real Salt Lake, San Jose, Colorado, Vancouver, and even Portland Timbers right now. So if you're those teams at the bottom and you're looking up, regardless if you're Portland and you've got the next seven, eight games still on the road before you get home, you've got to start getting points because this playoff chase, you know, it's a long one and this league's a sh- league of streaks. Mm-hmm. We're still six games in, so nothing's decided by any means. But you start to look at it, we're coming up, game eight is a quarter of the season. Right quarter of the season mark's coming up right now. So, games are going to be coming thick and fast and you can't let the the top half run away from it if you're one of the teams at the bottom, but LAFC, clearly the best team right now.
0: It is starting to take shape, no doubt about it. Um, let me ask you this. So, I had heard from an old friend of mine over in Europe that at that particular game there was a certain player being watched. I think many people know the player I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But This particular team took a shining to a certain Uruguayan center forward, Diego Rossi. Mm. First of all, how good is he? Mm. Second of all, the one player they were thoroughly unimpressed with is a designated player for LAFC, Andrea Horta.
2: He's non-existent.
1: Is he good enough? Was he even in the 18? Nope. There you go. So you've got a designated player that's over there. And I get sometimes with designated players coming over and Horta came over at 18 years old from Benfica. Huge club, but you start to say right now as an 18-year-old, can you adjust to a different way of life? I don't know if that's the issue. I don't know if he's just not good enough. I don't know mm-hmm. if the talent around him in MLS is on his team in particular is just too good that Bob Bradley says, hey, look, I think Mark Anthony K is better than you. I think At West is better than you. Yeah, I, I think Lee Wynn's better than you. I-, I think these guys deserve to be in the squad. I don't think you do on the day until you start to prove that week in and week out. Diego Rossi, I think, gives you a dynamic perspective of a 20, 21-year-old young designated player in this league that they didn't miss on. LAFC hasn't missed on much. I think they've missed with Horta. Now, I'm not writing anybody off at 18, 19 years old. Correct. By any means, but I think right now, in the investment that they put in on him, they have not gotten the return they wanted on him. With Diego Rossi, I think they've gotten more from him than they could have possibly imagined. And I think that it's not a case of he is – he's giving you more than he possibly can. Like he's not – he's not exceeding his expectation. He's exceeding it in the fact that he's he's delivering both goals and assists and and getting wins for the club. But I think they knew he could be this good. He hasn't gone past his ceiling. And I think that's why teams that come over and scout from Europe or reportedly from – I think it was – Pablo Mauer from The Athletic reported that, you know, Manchester United was there. That's mm-hmm. the report. That's how we read it just like everybody else. If they were there, Diego Rossi on the day was the player you would have looked at and you would have thought, this is who the hype is about. Yep, Carlos Vela is who the hype was about. It wouldn't have been Luciano Costa on the day. Mm.
0: Well, there are more. There are more watching. And the good thing is, is that now this is happening more often than not, Kendra, where people are coming across from all four corners of the world now. To look at talents in major league soccer and, and again it's it's such a significant sign of growth for this league.
2: Well, and I think we talked about that before the season even got underway in one of our early early discussions, or maybe it was our first pregame show in Vancouver. It was just about we wanted to absolutely highlight this league in the fact that it's a selling league heading into it. The off season. That that was one of the busiest times for this league and it's that's a positive. People should be viewing that as a positive because you you're players for a lot of money, then you have more money to buy players and get more talented players in. So, you know, when we talked about marone in the offseason and and others, and there was rumors of Acosta Luciano, Acosta heading overseas as well. And it, you know, it fell through at the last moment there. But all all good things. And I think that uh people are really starting to recognize this league and realize what what's going on here and this is this is a big thing this is a real deal so starting to get more and more players at young ages coming over and playing and contributing and it's not this retirement league and and I feel like you you fight the good fight all the time cal because mm. you know being from england and trying to sell our our uber driver on the way to jfk i don't remember where he was from where is he from can you remember that accent no i mean it was like a it was south american or yeah. But but he was like, are well, you guys here for soccer? And we're like, yeah, we were just we were here. And he, we were like, NYCFC, who? Or, you know, Red Bulls, who? Like, literally had no idea about MLS. And you're like, he's like, no, no, no. I, I watch every Premier League game. You know what I mean? And it's like, and I feel like I could feel you. I was almost like your blood starting to boil because really annoyed you me. <laughs> so yeah, annoyed that. you because you know how good that. this league is. You grew yeah. up with the Premier League. Like, you know, and you're trying to like sell this guy, it, but he wasn't buying it slowly but surely it is making its way and people are realizing it clearly the people that matter if you got someone from manchester united coming over and watching a player you know from other clubs overseas watching players in this league they they are starting to get it but the fan base even you know it's still like we're having to kind of sell people on this league and we shouldn't have to because this is you said it to the guy. You're like, you got to watch me. Just watch like, a game. Exactly. Right. Go, to a game. Just go to a game before you say that. Like literally you, in your town, it's you'll like wake like right up there. at six a.m. Yes. every Saturday. What yes. about
1: going to a game at seven p.m. Yep. on a Saturday? Yep.
2: Or turning on the ES network or MSC or whatever those clubs are on. Like yep. it's literally on your network. Like
0: this absolutely kills me because I tell you now, uh, and I, I would put money on this. I, I, I have no problem sticking my neck out and saying this. If this league was in most other countries around the world, it would get so much more respect. Yep. And it's just because and again I say this with all due respect, what MLS was mm-hmm. in the early nineties, and it was a very Americanized product. I'm not yep. saying that's the the wrong way to go about things. I mean the dribble
1: up shootout wasn't
0: adopted by the rest <laughs> of the world <laughs>
2: well, it I, just I didn't think we might go back to that.
0: <laughs> it 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 didn't it didn't work for the rest of the world. The rest of the world's we're operating um, at a, a certain level uh, to certain rules, and and Major League Soccer didn't do that for the first few years, and that's fine, that's okay. I understand why, but it's moved on so much more now, and it, it does it infuriates yes. me when I I and look, I I go to um I'm not sure if we, we can say their name, but I go to a a certain bar downtown Minneapolis quite a bit, and, yeah, and no I no free talk, ads,
1: no free ads on this
0: unless you want to sponsor <laughs>
2: Payola. <laughs> and, um, <laughs>
0: Uh, and I, I, I talk to a lot of people and a lot of people are are English expats and they speak about the Premier League all the time and very yep. rarely do they talk about Major League Soccer yep. and I want to strangle them. Yep. Guys, you've got a team here and it's a good team. And it's a team mm-hmm. with a beautiful stadium. Mm-hmm. So let's move on, shall we, before I start throwing things to the window. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, look, I mean, we, we've all been covering the sport and, and we've all been involved in the sport for a long time now we uh you know we we've we've seen a lot of stadiums we're all very fortunate we we've been to just about all of them now haven't we um i i don't think i don't think any of us ever thought that something like this would be within touching distance i don't think any of us ever thought that this type of facility would be here and i'm interested to get your guys' opinions because you you, you have two very different experiences in in this state in terms of soccer um Kendra, I'll start with you. When you were growing up here, playing for the golfers in particular as well, and, and soccer was, was obviously a thing. There was the minor league team here. Mm-hmm. But did you ever, ever in your wildest dreams think that we would have a moment that we are about to have on Saturday?
2: No, it literally never crossed my mind. Um, you know, when you're in the soccer world and in the soccer community, you feel like soccer is a big deal here immersed in the thunder immersed in the a-league immersed in the thunder summer camps like these guys you know Manny lagos and amos mcgee and all these guys johnny swollen and all these guys that were big in the day when i was growing up like they are you know you go to a camp or you're coaching a camp and they're like an, an idol you know you're looking up to them but you are at blaine you're at nsc you're you're knowing that these stadiums and things exist in other places but you always kind of view like that's that's over there right when Soccer specific stadiums finally started getting built and you would watch the Women's World Cup in 99 and in the United States and the Rose Bowl being sold out and what soccer could be or possibly be 94, 98 men, all that kind of thing. But I don't know that I ever thought that it would get even close here. Knowing how big the soccer community is, I knew it was a big deal, but not like this. Mm. And even just the other day after we had that premium, premium event at Allianz Field, and my husband and I were talking in the kitchen and he was even like, couldn't find the words because he was like, literally did not think this was, this could happen after coming out of the stadium. Cause he had been in Allianz field that day for the premium event, mm. just literally speechless because he's been in the soccer community his whole life as well. He was drafted by the thunder way back when, and just never knew that it could be this. And it's, it's truly amazing. It's really remarkable. And they're really, it's really hard to put it into words. And I said to someone just the other day when I was at Allianz Field again, I don't know that it's going to really seem real until it's filled with 20,000 people on Saturday and the team is on the field warming up against an opponent, not doing a training session. You know, we're not talking about anything else except the game that is taking place. And watching back at all the video we've seen of TCF Bank Stadium mm. and the games that we've done there, it's, Pretty crazy that now we're gonna be in our own home with our own team and their own locker room with their logos on the wall and their logo on the field and their colors everywhere. It's gonna be pretty special. I I honestly, I don't know that I ever saw this coming to fruition, ever saw this happening in my wildest dreams.
0: We were there earlier today for the media tasting events and we're all firmly full now, by the way, aren't we? By the way, the
2: food's fantastic. Oh my
0: word, it's fabulous. they have literally
2: catered to anybody and everybody who wants any kind of option it's It's staggering
0: all all around the general concourse as well you know today we had uh food from all four corners of the world so by all means please go and try it because it's it's exceptional um I, i i bring that up because i was uh on the the brew hall roof deck um just taking a phone call and i saw they started putting the team logos up um, up by the score clock and the scoreboard, and it, mm. it gave me yes. chills. I was like, I can see the Minnesota United logo is up there. I can see the NYCFC logo. here. It's going up. It's happening. It's really happening now. Um, Jay, I want to go back to, to your day when, when you came here, when you were playing here. Um, obviously, there was a fan base. There were a group of people who were very loyal to soccer in this community. Um, when you look at what it's now turned into, how proud are you after being a part of that
1: generic and, and original bunch, shall we say? It it just almost seems too good to be true. And I think for so long, fans here were fans when it was not always the easiest to be a fan of Minnesota United, Minnesota Stars. And I actually, I want to take Minnesota United out of that equation. Minnesota Stars, the NSC Stars, Minnesota Thunder, because... Through those iterations, there was always a uh, an element of instability. Mm. Year to year, is there going to be a team? And the stadium was what it was. Um, National Sports Center is is a has been a, a wonderful partner. But having said that, it's it's not a stadium that you would say rivals with any of the world class stadiums around that other teams have in this country, um, nor close to it. But it had its it had its great little nostalgia about it because it, it was ours. It wasn't much, but it was ours. And that's what we felt. And that's what the fans felt. But I think for so long with that instability and with that um, inconsistency, there was just lowered expectations. And you never really felt like, well, we're this is kind of the best we're going to get. But at least we have it. So it's mm. you know it's okay. Then when Dr. Ben McGuire took over in 2013 and we found out, I was in that room. Uh, in I was going to say, t-
0: take me into the locker room then. And, and, and when the commissioner... Of the nasl at the time came in and and, and said that the team was going to stick around and there was a new buy because at the time i remember you telling me there was a lot of people who thought they were out of work
1: yeah it was 2012 we were playing uh in the nasl and it was a league-owned team meaning the owners bailed the reason the team was still afloat was so the league could continue out the season basically the schedule doesn't get messed up a team doesn't drop it's a terrible look for the team mm. so every other owner's foot the bill and then we get to the final Uh, We won the first leg here, an incredible night at NSC, singing Wonderwall with the fans, 2-0. We won that first leg. And then we go to Tampa, we lose. The commissioner comes in and says, hey, guys, um, I know you're obviously heartbroken. You've lost the final. Um, A lot of guys think that the the league's done or the team's done in the league. Like there will not be any more Minnesota soccer there. Um, And the one saving grace of the evening was the commissioner telling us, we actually have an owner. His name's Dr. Bill McGuire. He's going to come in. He's going to save the team. He's going to change it. He's going to rebrand it. And he's going to take it to heights you've never seen before. One, you're happy that the team's just going to be around. It hasn't ended there. But two, because of that lowered expectation, you, you think, okay, well, there's an air an of skepticism. Okay, well, okay, well, the team will be around. But, you know, in, in what form or fashion? Since Dr. Bill McGuire single-handedly saved soccer in Minnesota, he has taken it to a level that none of us thought could be true. That's why it feels too good to be true, because you never thought we would have a quarter of a billion-dollar stadium Mm. that was ours, literally meticulously handpicked out in every form imaginable to make it an incredible fan experience, but also from a player experience as well. He's taken this club each year. He's over-delivered on everything that he's ever said that we were first told in that locker room, the first people that were told He's going to take it to new heights. Think your wildest imagination in that moment. And this surpasses it by a thousand. It's incredible. It's amazing. It's storybook. It's something that you could write a movie about. And I think the, uh, the big finale of that ending would be Minnesota United playing the first game in the stadium window winning Wonderwall. And then Hmm. why at this point, why can't we dream big now? Yeah. Because we, we have, we have, we're already in our wildest dreams. So why not make that wildest dream even wilder because right now with Dr. Bill McGuire and the ownership team we have Chris Wright is CEO and Maureen, Brian, everybody, Adrian Heath, like Manny Lagos. What's going to stop us from going bigger and bigger from here. It's incredible to think it's incredible to dream, but why not? We have the ability to now.
0: Yeah. It'd be great. Wouldn't it? Let's, let's start thinking about kicking footballs up in the clouds, shall we? And just seeing where it goes. I, I, I love that. I love that sense. Of, I love that idea. It's, um, you know, it's it, it's it's only good for the league as well. But um, there's so many fans here, Kendra, that, as you mentioned, never thought this would be here. Um, from from someone who is obviously from here, you, you were away at the time you were working elsewhere when it was announced that MLS was coming here. Mm-hmm. What did you think when you first originally saw that announcement?
2: Well, I think when I saw it all over Twitter was really the first inkling I had of it was with, with social media because sometimes you hear you know you hear that teams are vying for it you're hearing all these clubs that are wanting to get involved in MLS and it's really kind of a, a lucky lottery if you get in um, because there are so many cities and clubs that want to be a part of it now and all my in-laws still live here and my brother lives here so everybody's tied into the soccer community here so right away I started getting text messages and and messages from family members saying you know there is this 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 is happening you know this is the real deal this is coming to fruition like this is no longer a dream it's a reality just the fact of getting the an mls club here and there was a lot of work to be done and it was kind of came about really quickly and um i knew ben grossman from doing some stuff with fox and of course he's a in a minority owner so he was excited about it and he happens to live in the san jose area where i lived at the time so it's just kind of a chance thing that i had seen him at Um, MLS All-Star game. Mm. And then, so it was just like this whirlwind, you know, heading into that piece of it. And um, it, it, again, I mean, it's, it's very rarely do I have a hard time coming up with the words to explain it, but it's just been this culmination of years and years of culture of soccer in this country and in Minnesota specifically and how it's come to this point. You know, you just really have to give credit to the people that have put in the time and the energy and the work and the love. This is a labor of love for Dr. Bill McGuire who really knew nothing about soccer and had no idea even from running a professional club and owning a professional club, I should say. And he has put every ounce of his energy into this and it's truly a labor of love.
1: I think it's really cool. Kendra, hearing you talk, because it almost seems like it's just it's, it's difficult to put it into words fully and to properly explain it. And I think everybody is going to have some element of that. And I think I would, I would encourage everybody that's kind of listening to this or that has been invested in this, or maybe if you aren't fortunate enough to be there on the day, uh, when you do get a chance to go to a, see a game at Allianz Field, if you're watching a game at Allianz Field, take a moment and think about what this means to you, because this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for a lot of us to get to open up a stadium here in Minnesota and it it may not come again for another 50, 60, 70 years, you know, after we're long after we're gone. And I want everybody to, to find out what it means to them. Think about what this means and, and share it with somebody else that, that, you know, has a, an enjoyment of soccer, or maybe that doesn't, maybe they hear your story maybe they find out, I want to be a part of this, but we all have a story to tell. We all have a meaning to this. We all have some way that we're connected to this. And with that, take a second, as this has kind of taken a couple of years to get to since the first groundbreaking in June of 2017 yeah. until opening day, April 13, 2019. There's just been this buildup to it. So try to figure out what it means to you. Tell someone. Tell a close friend, whoever. Share that. Remember that. And then embrace that and feel that on Saturday and enjoy it because it will be an incredible spectacle but then this is just the just the beginning yes it's just starting it's not like this is one and done like this is it like we're not coming back this is our new home this is our new normal so celebrate it and then make it our own and let's make it something special where everyone loves to come and see it but visiting teams hate to play in it because you the fans make it a difficult place and environment to be a visitor in
0: it has the opportunity to be the newest and
1: greatest coliseum Major League Soccer has ever seen. What about for you, though? What does it mean for you, Cal? Because you've been in some incredible stadiums. You've commentated at Anfield, at Old Trafford. You, I mean, the list goes on. We don't have enough time to list all the stadiums, games you've commentated at. What do it mean for you?
2: Uh, it's... Because you have a different perspective than we have of it.
1: mmm
0: I've I've tried to think about this. It's another gargantuan step in the right direction for soccer in North America. Mm-hmm. It is a it is a an an obvious sign of intent from the ownership group here and what they want, and where they see this going. Because they wouldn't have done this. This stadium, as you mentioned earlier on, it's going to be here for a long, long time. They wouldn't have done this if they didn't think that was the case. Remember those days when each of you just said you weren't even sure if there was going to be a professional soccer team here? Yep. Now we have a stadium that's going to be here for 60, 70 years. Mm -hmm. That is a... F- as as firm of a commitment as you can get from anybody saying that this is here yep. it's here to stay and it's ours and we're going to invest in it i'm more than anything we're, we're so fortunate we've been in the stadium so many times now and we we've sampled the food we've looked uh, around the the premium areas we've sat in the stands we've stood in the wonderwall we've seen just about every aspect of the stadium now. And now you mentioned it earlier on, Kindred, Now what'll really make it real and really introduce itself to the world properly will be when it's full on Saturday against NYC FC. And it's um look I, I I think um I'm guilty. I'm 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 an emotional human being. I'm guilty of perhaps getting a little too emotional during commentaries and whatnot. You guys uh, That's what <laughs> makes you, you guys know yeah. that. No <laughs> such thing. We love that.
1: Love that about you.
0: And, and so I, I really, I really, really, really care about soccer in this country and about soccer in Minnesota. And I've only been doing this in this, this part of the world for two years. But because we're all as invested as we are, because we know people that have suffered and have gone through the deep, dark times of, of insecurity um, and, and not knowing what was going to happen, it, it's going to be it's going to be difficult not not to actually shed a tear. It really will. Um, our press officer Eric Durkee said to me the other day, he's he's going to be in floods of tears mm-hmm. because he's been doing this. Mm-hmm. This is his seventh season and. That there were people the other day who I spoke to at an, an, an event, and they were saying that they've been watching Minnesota soccer for thirty plus years, mm-hmm. never thought they would have something like this, and here it is. You know, it's going to be spectacular. It really is. We we, we could talk all day about this kind of stuff, but what we'll do is we'll take a, a little break, and we'll we'll talk about the event that is going to take place inside Allianz Field on Saturday, Minnesota United, New York City FC. We'll talk about that next. <laughs> Welcome back in to the final installment of our Loons Weekly podcast. Callum Williams alongside Kendra D. E. St. Orbin and Jamie Watson. So, finally, here we are on the cusp of history, April 13th, this Saturday. Minnesota United come home for the very first time. Allianz Field awaits, and the opponents are New York City FC. So, first of all, Kindred, D. St. Aubin, talk to me about NYCFC. What have we seen from them so far?
2: Another team that's struggling. I mean, I think if you, I've read an article, 2018, they were undefeated through their first five games and had 13 points this year. Through five games, winless and four points total. With nearly the same roster, I mean, granted, missing David Villa. That's a huge piece, right? Mm. But... Who? Roughly. Yeah, exactly. Nine, I believe starters, you know, regular starters have returned. So still trying to figure out some of the pieces. But I said this to you before the game against Red Bulls off the air, and I may have said it in the game, too, in the second half. Once, you know, feeling a little bit better about how Minnesota was performing against Red Bulls. When are we going to start where we're not worried about what position we're getting the opponent in and opponents are worried about how they're catching us? You no, it's always like, man, we're catching Galaxy at a bad time. They just had a terrible loss at Dallas. Man, we're catching, you know, we're catching, whoever, you know, Red Bulls at a bad time. They're, they're on this terrible streak and they can't figure out how to get a win. Man, we're catching, you know, like they're, they're going to turn this thing around. We're going to give them their first win, whatever it might be, you know, like New England revolution. But mm. well, when is it going to be? And is it finally Minnesota's turn maybe where they're like, man we're catching Minnesota at a tough time because they're coming off a massive win over again, you know, uh, over the red bulls on the road. Mm. So I think as, as much as I want to look at NYCFC and I still think they have some, you know, I thought, I thought Matrita actually looked decent in their game that they just tied at home, a scoreless tie. I thought he was on the ball quite a bit. He's a new piece for them. I think he can be really dynamic and a little bit more direct and break up some of the defenses. So if you're looking for somebody exciting to keep an eye on now that David Villa is no longer in the lineup, think he can be a key piece. We always talk about Alex Ring. Yeah. He holds down the four. He's a little bit ineffective so far this season, whether he's playing in the six or the eight. Where does he work best? There's a lot of things, but to me, the ultimate thing is Dome Turan. Do they know how he wants, you know, how, does he have the right answers? What style are they playing under him? I, yeah. I can't imagine. He's got to be in, in on an incredibly, I think his tush is on fire <laughs> right now. He's got to be on the hottest seat in the league right now in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with you. Um, Just going back to Mitrecha though, you mentioned him, you you called him a key piece. Mm -hmm. Is he good enough to be the key piece?
2: I think they still need something else. I mean, they're still trying to figure that out. But as far as who they have in their roster right now and who they played as an attacking piece, uh, you know, coming into the season and to start the season and... Particularly when I was watching that game, I think he, they kind of finally figured out how to get him on the ball a little bit more directly, finding maybe that ball from Alex Ring to him, and then split the defense, and he can get on the ball and do a little dancing on the ball and inside the box or just outside the box to create. But I still think they're missing something. They he's I don't think he's the answer. It's just that you know they're they're floundering for how they want to play under Domey to run. Well,
1: with him being so influential, then with that, who do you think Kendra is their best? center forward that they currently have on the roster?
2: Oh, man. I don't know if, I don't know if they know. I I don't, I think that's the dilemma for them. They don't know who, where they're getting their scoring from. I mean, who, I think that's part of the issue is I don't know that, you know, they have, they have Matrita, however you say his name that they've brought in. I just don't know that they know what their best combination is, even what their best formation is. Mm. You know, I don't know that they, I think that's part of figuring out Like even with the Red Bulls, I don't know that they know how, what their team looks like under Chris Armas. even though both of these coaches are in their technical second season, having been hired for partly, you know, early on, or I mean, halfway through last year. So I think that's part of the dilemma is that these, if you asked Dome terren and you asked seven different players on that team, what they're looking for, I don't know that they would all say the same thing. I think that's part of the, the, the issue is that they're lacking a sense of style and how they want to play and how they want to accomplish things. And then when you're losing, I mean, that, that doesn't help anybody. No. From no. a confidence perspective, like how do you go about it when you're trying to, you know, figure it out?
0: I think, um, so I, I noticed in the game against Montreal Impact, where it was, it was nil-nil, it was yeah. a significant upgrade in terms of result because they'd lost 4-0 against Toronto FC and Alejandro Pozuelo On his debut. Um, Against the impacts, they played Castellanos up front. Mm -hmm. Not a a leading center forward, in my opinion. Mm -mm. They signed the Brazilian Herbert from the top league in Croatia. He scored goals. Mm -hmm. The question is, is is he going to be good enough to deliver in this league on a consistent basis? I think we were all impressed with Tijuri Tradi when he came to Minnesota um, last season. But they, they don't. And It's so difficult, Jay, because you, in my opinion, you you, you can't replace right. an individual like David Villa with one player. Mm-hmm.
1: No, you can't. And and the thing is, though, they don't even have a David Villa type player. Correct. Not even not even talking just ability wise. Mm-hmm. The guys won everything in the game, mm-hmm. every World Cup, every European Championship. I mean, everything from a club level with Barcelona. I mean, everything you could imagine. So you know, so no one's saying you're going to come in and equally give you the output on the score sheet that David Villa did. That's not the question. But you don't even have somebody that has a similar skill set as David Villa. What you've got with Jesus Medina, with Mitrita, with Castellanos, you've got these players that want to go in and, and show you, even to Jerry Shradi, look how good I am on the ball. Right. They are the guy that gets you to the point and then want to play the final ball. Yes, correct. They don't have somebody that wants to get on the end of the final ball. Jonathan Lewis looks to me like a guy that he has the 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 willingness to do it, but he's not there yet in his career. Mm-hmm. Still very young, been used mostly as a sub, getting a little bit of run with the national team, more comfortable out wide. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to get in a battle with Ike Opara. No. With Michael Boxel. None of these guys want to go back to goal. They want to back in, and they want to play big boy soccer, do they? I think Hebert will probably be somebody that you see play this weekend. So, so it wouldn't surprise me if he started because there is a distinct lack of lust, I think, up front for, for New York City. And right now?
2: What minute what did he come today? on in that that last match? He came on late, right?
1: Yeah, he came on he came on yeah. on the final, I think, 10, 15 yeah. minutes of the game, but he didn't um, he hey, look it, it's one of those things that when you come in the final 10, 15 minutes of the yeah. game, you really they were up a man mm-hmm. and you still never got a point in which you thought, well he's you know he's definitely going to oh excuse me came in the sixty third minute. So he came in actually with the final 30 minutes. That goes to show you how not impactful he was. Mm. I didn't realize he was on for the first few minutes of the game. <laughs> so when you're looking at it and you start going, man, like this is this is the kind, kind of player you need. He doesn't have to come back and be creative. He doesn't have to come back and look how good I am on the ball. Watch me do all this. What he needs to do is he needs to play behind a back four. He needs to play in between center backs. He needs to get on the end of things. And ultimately, I think he can help fix the slide they're on. But I think right now, he's the best of, a, of of very slim pickings. It's like when you're standing there and you want to buy an avocado and you're like, man, these are all pretty bruised up and not exactly <laughs> what I want. This one's the least bruised up right now. Okay, I'll go with this. Sounds like personal experience. Yeah. From there, exactly, right? I was just at the store last night, frustrated with the lack of <laughs> avocados. No, it's it's but it just it's really meant to show that right now, last year, when they were at their best they look like they were just primed for the pick and every single one of them were brilliant. And you were going, this is the dream selection. How, how do I, you know, not pick this player. And let's talk about Maxi Morales has been out. Yes. Right. Yeah. So blow blow. when he, when he gets back in the yeah. lineup, mm-hmm. but that's again, that's also another player. Mm-hmm. That's this, that is cut from the same cloth as Mitrita as Castellanos, as, as Chajuri Look how good I am to watch this final ball. I'm going to play who's on the end of it. It's, if, you're, if I'm Dominic Turen, if I'm Dominic Turen, I've got to play Bear this weekend. Yep. And, and, and I think you're running out of time in his situation because I think the next coach will make the decision if he doesn't sooner rather than later.
0: Kendra, what about Minnesota United then? We touched on this briefly a little earlier on. Obviously, after the success at Red Bull Arena, 3-4-3 mm-hmm. three, three was the formation. There were certain individuals that were used that aren't usually in the eleven. What happens this weekend? What would you do if you were in charge?
2: I would go back to the four-two-three-one. That's what I would do. I think, you know, the three center backs were a product of who they were playing and they were on the road at Red Bulls just trying to get a result. And Adrian Heath might have even been happy with a draw on the road because of that Red Bull side, and you just never know with Bradley Wright Phillips. So I think the three center backs and the two wing backs in that three-four-three, three, maybe a little bit more of a five-in-the-back defensive shape, um was a necessary evil for bradley Wright phillips and then red bulls it with two up top to start the match um, with jorgensen up top as well but i would go back to a four two three one i would go back to the shape that adrian heath um seems to play most often that he's maybe most comfortable with and then he also knows this roster and the way it can play in that formation and you're at home with the momentum with the adrenaline you're against a NYCFC team that we just discussed. Doesn't really know what they're doing offensively and what they can bring. So get on the front foot early. Be aggressive. Get on that and, and use the four-two-three-one again with Romain or whoever, you know, is on the I mean, the outside backs are pretty much the same, Roman Metaner and Francisco Cavill, let's say. Still getting in on the attack. They just may not have quite as much space, depending on who plays in front, pinching in allowing the space for the outside backs to get forward and down the attack and throw the numbers forward and get on the front foot and use that crowd and use that adrenaline in your favor. But adrenaline can be a tricky thing too. Mm. You know what I mean? All that excitement, take a deep breath, get within yourself, calm down. A little bit of what Brent Coleman told me yesterday at training, like just want to play well, just want to get a result, but you're going to have to kind of take a deep breath when you walk in there and and get on the field for, for training or for warmups. Jay,
1: you, you
0: simply can't play this game without Darwin
2: Quintero on the field, can
0: you?
1: No, certainly not. I mean, if, if, if that's my decision, I mean, look, Adrian uses motivation, and and I'm sure he did before New York Red Bulls. Give a good account of yourself so I can't leave you off the field. If you want to enjoy the pageantry and being in the stadium for the opening game, you know, go out and win this game in New York. Make it difficult for me to leave you out. But I think you got to go 4-2-3-1. Can't I agree with you? Um, I think that you got to find a way to get Darwin on the field um, to start. And you see how long he can go for, you know that now you've got more options on the bench in an attacking position with Abu Dunlad getting back to, you know, looking like an old self, Romario Barra, bagging goals coming in, Angelo Rodriguez holding up. You got Ethan Finley, you know, it's it's one of those things that right now I don't think there's a way you exclude Darwin Cantero, but I think that that's the option. I think you have to have him in the lineup and I think you um I think you you, you give yourself the best chance to win with Darwin in the lineup there. And we see
2: Kevin Molino in the eighteen. Yeah, I think you do. I mean, I'm excited to see him back in action if he is, because we've seen him at training, haven't we, for the last how many ever weeks? I mean, this guy—he's been know.
1: targeting this date, and he's yes. got—he's got the carrot at the end of the stick, the gold cup, which we'll see the U.S. men's national team here on June 18th play. Mm-hmm. So I think that Kevin's got every motivation to get back into the side for his club and for his country coming up. So I think he's there thereabouts. He's looked good in training, hasn't he? So
2: yes, Chomp okay. It a bit.
1: Absolutely. Before we go,
0: uh, we're always on the podcast no. with predictions. So let's <laughs> start with you, Misty St. Auburn.
2: Um, gosh, I would love to get a clean sheet. I would love to say that they're going to get a clean sheet, but I'm going to go 3-1 Minnesota.
0: Jay? 2-0. Cal? 3-1 as well. I
1: think that's a fair line.
0: We'll wait and see. I hope you both are wrong. I hope I'm right, and
1: I can tell you next week I was right. You were wrong.
0: (laughs) Guys, thank you very much for your company. Really appreciate it. Thanks to our producer, Tyson Hill, as well. So, it's here. Minnesota United against New York City FC, April 13th at Allianz Field. You can watch the game on ESPN from 4 p.m. Central, or you can listen to the coverage from 3.30 p.m. Central, on your very own score north or if you're operating elsewhere in the united states you can listen nationally on sirius xm as well for all the latest on minnesota united make sure you download the minnesota united app thanks for joining us you've been listening to a minnesota united production